My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. There comes time in a person's life when they reflect, they look back. If you think of life as a mountain and you spend the first half of your life climbing to the top of the mountain, and the second half, I'm sorry to say, going down the other side of the mountain, on the one side, climbing, you're gathering friends and education and experiences and money for retirement. And on the other side, you're losing all of those things. John the Baptist, at this juncture in his life, is literally at the top of the mountain, looking down both sides. He's in prison. He knows that he probably won't get out of prison And uh, you know the story of Salome, and in a very short time, John is going to lose his head. And as he looks down the other side of the mountain, the side that he climbed, he begins to wonder, was it all worth it? Um, When I was in seminary, my professor, Dr. DeGregoris, taught us that Life is really a series of plateaus. We, we climb to certain places and then we have to make decisions about where we climb next. They tell you if you get a, do well in high school, then you'll get into a good college. And if you get a good college degree, then you can get a good job. And if you get a good job, you get a nice house and a, a nice spouse and children. And, and if you have all of that, <clears throat> then you can move into retirement and enjoy Uh, the spoils of your labor and the love of your family and grandchildren. And then one day the plateau stops and your eternal plateau begins. You either celebrate and praise God in heaven forever or the alternative. And then he pointed us to two famous psychologists, the first being Abraham Maslow. You might remember Abraham Maslow. A few messages back, we talked about him. He's the one that came up with a hierarchy of needs. And he said that that the last need for a human being is to reach a place of self-actualization. Abraham Maslow said that the realization or the fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities was considered a drive. That we have this internal engine that drives us to succeed and to climb that mountain. Eric Erickson, he reminded us, who is the only psychologist that has uh, stages of development that cover the entire lifespan, said that we actually begin between the ages of 18 months and three years old to want to have our own independence and to begin to believe in our abilities. And if you want to know what that looks like, that's when your three-year-old son or daughter decides they want a glass of milk. So they push the kitchen chair over to the counter climb up on the counter, standing on the counter, they open the door, they get out their favorite glass, back down the counter and the chair they go until they get the brand new gallon of milk. (laughs) And then, reaching higher than they should, they try to pour the gallon of milk into their favorite glass, and you know what happens next. And then you have to have a discussion with the child. Next time you want a glass of milk, I'm glad that you want to do it by yourself, but ask mommy and daddy for help. Erickson also told us that between the ages of 5 and 12 years, we begin to either step out 
and create, or we develop a fear of stepping out and creating. He said in this this stage of life, he called it industry versus inferiority, that our feelings of pride come from our accomplishments. Then all the way at the end of life, Erickson said we have a stage called integrity and despair. And you're either going to have pride in what you have achieved and accomplished, or you're going to despair that you chose the wrong road, didn't apply yourself well, made poor choices. And I'm sorry to say that that's exactly where John the Baptist is at this time. And what does he do? He sends word to Jesus. Are you the one? John is questioning, doubting his life's work. Since this seems to be a psychology-based message, let me just throw another one in here. Doubt is a mental state in which the mind remains suspended between two or more contradictory propositions. We're unable to be certain of any of them. Doubt on an emotional level is indecision between belief and disbelief. It may involve uncertainty, distrust, lack of conviction on certain facts, actions, motives, or decisions. Doubt can result in delaying or rejecting relevant action out of concern for mistakes or missed opportunities. Well, what does that mean in English? John is sitting in his cell saying, was it worth it? Was it worth the isolation? Was it worth the ridicule? Was it worth the judgment? Was it worth the rejection? Is it worth my life? Now, John was there. He heard the voice of God. He saw the hundreds, perhaps thousands of people come to hear the message of repentance. But you know what? Our feelings can often outweigh our thoughts. John can say to himself, and we say to ourselves, well, I know that's true, but it doesn't feel that way. And he sends the question off to Jesus. And we've all been there. Well, Jesus' answer is really telling. He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. But I want you to hear the hidden message. It's not just the physically blind, the physically lame, the physically sick, the physically deaf, but it's the spiritual blind, lame, sick, and deaf, and dead. It's the emotional blind, lame, sick, deaf, and dead. And it's the psychological blind, lame, sick, deaf, and dead that are being healed. The good news is not just being preached to the financially poor, but the poor in spirit. Jesus' message reaffirms John's call to ministry. I believe the Church of Jesus Christ in 2023 is in a period of spiritual doubt. Our buildings are crumbling, our coffers are empty, our pews are bare, our missions are fruitless, our lives seem helpless, 
Our message falls on deaf ears and hardened hearts. And those of us who are left are asking, was it worth it? We're asking, are you the one? And through eternity, Jesus answers, Are you continuing my ministry? If you want to know the answer to those questions, ask yourself, are the blind being given sight? Are the lame walking? Are the lepers being healed? Are the deaf hearing? Are the dead being raised? Are you sharing the good news? Or in the words of Abraham Maslow, are you as an individual and as the church using realizing your talents and your potentialities. The church is so busy singing sometimes, I feel like a motherless child, that we forget that we're on a mission and we should be singing that old hymn, you bring the one next to you or that old spiritual sinner, please don't let this harvest pass. And I don't know if you know this, but some denominations have taken onward Christian soldiers out of the hymnal. We are called to be a church that is moving and active and, yes, sometimes militant. We are the army of God. And an army will never be successful hiding in a foxhole of a church. An army is only successful when it's out conquering the territory, following the orders of its general, fulfilling its mission. Well, what does this look like for us? It reminds me of a story by Brett Butler. There was a woman once who wanted peace in the world and peace in her heart. And she was very frustrated. The world seemed to be falling apart, and her personal life wasn't great either. One day, she decided to go shopping, and she went to the mall and walked into one of the stores, and she was surprised to see Jesus standing behind the counter. And she knew it was Jesus because he looked like the painting she'd seen in museums and devotional books. She got up the nerve to ask, Excuse me? But are you Jesus? I am. Do you work here? In a way, I own the store. Oh, she said. What do you sell here? Just about everything, Jesus replied. Feel free to walk up and down the aisles, make a list, and see what it is you want, and come back, and I'll see what I can do for you. Well, she did just that. She walked up and down the aisles, writing furiously. There was peace on earth, no more war, no hunger or poverty. There was peace in families, harmony, no dissension, no more drugs. There were careful use of resources. By the time she got back to the counter, she had a long list. Jesus looked over the list and then smiled at her and said, No problem. And then he bent down behind the counter and picked out all sorts of things and finally stood up and laid out packets on the counter. What are these? the woman asked. Seed packets, Jesus answered. This is a catalog store. 
You mean I, I can't get the finished product? No, Jesus replied, this is a place of dreams. You come and see what it looks like, and I give you the seeds. You go home and plant the seeds. You water them and nurture them and help them grow, and someday someone else reaps the benefits. Oh, she said, deeply disappointed. She turned and left, and she left the seeds on the counter. John understood initially that he was planting seeds. But the message is we have to wait. Are we willing to wait and see what God grows? God calls us to start sowing so that he can do the growing. John sowed, Jesus reaped, and we continue to reap today. Ann Dillard tells of a pastor whose pulpit prayer included some wonderful petitions for betterment of life in this world. And then before ending the prayer, he included these words. But thou knowest, O God, that we ask for these same things Sunday after Sunday. So we confess to you our discouragement that so little progress is made. Said Annie, his prayer was so painfully honest that I knew I had finally found a preacher who knows God. Frankly, I don't know why, she writes, if God is truly in charge, that things do not go better or happen faster. But when John raised a similar question to Jesus, Jesus said, look again, look closer, pay attention. Things are happening which apparently was good enough for John, and most days should be good enough for us. Friends, we need to stop and do a checkup from the neck up and look at our behavior, our thought processes, as relates to the mission of the church. Complaining won't heal the sick. Whining won't feed the poor. Doubting won't shelter the homeless. Wishing won't visit the shut-ins. Wanting won't cook the meals. Sitting and watching will not share the good news. Please don't get to the top of that mountain. Don't get to that eighth stage of development and despair. Don't regret, regret all of your woulda, coulda, shouldas. Remember that everything we do, everything we say, is valuable to God. If you need, a, if you need an acrostic or you need a, some alliteration to tie this up for you, our mission is really just the three Ps. We need to pray, we need to plant, and we need to preach. And if we do those things faithfully, maybe not us, or the, but the next generation or the generation after that will reap the harvest of God. Let me finish with a final story. This is by Bill Boo Knight. And he says, the well-known speaker used to start off his seminars by holding up a crisp, brand new $20 bill. In a room of 200, he would ask, 
Who would like this $20 bill? And hands would shoot up. And he said, I'm going to give this $20 bill to one of you, but first, let me do this. And then he would vigorously crumple the $20 bill up. And then he would hold up the wrinkled bill and say, who still wants it? And still hands were in the air. Well, he said, what if I do this? And he dropped it on the ground and he started to grind it into the floor with his shoe. Now he picked it up, crumpled, wrinkled, and dirty, and he said, who still wants it? And still hands went up in the air. My friends, he would say, you have all learned a valuable lesson. No matter what I did to that money, you wanted it because it did not decrease in value. It was still worth $20. Many times in our lives, we are dropped, crumpled, and grounded into the dirt by decisions we make and the circumstances that come our way. We feel as though we are worthless. But no matter what has happened or what will happen, you will never lose your value in God's eyes. To God, dirty or clean, crumpled or finely creased, you are always priceless. You are that $20 bill. Maybe torn, maybe trampled, maybe wrinkled, but not worthless. And the work that we do may be torn or trampled or wrinkled. But it's not worthless. To God, you and your work are priceless. To God, you and your work have potentiality. Church, let's turn our midlife doubts into purposeful living and let Jesus do the rest. Amen.